You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Barbara McGinnis and Chris Johnson, along with other members of the Tagus McGinnis Elder Care Law Team, talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm Dana Henschel, the Outreach Coordinator for Tegas McGinnis Elder Care Law, and today we are tackling the question of how do we know that our loved one is safe at home? And joining me for this conversation is Deborah King, one of the Elder Care Coordinators for the firm. Hi, Deborah. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, so, of course, we're past the holidays. And maybe some of us were lucky enough to spend time with family. And, and maybe during that time, uh, we may have noticed some changes since last holiday season in our parents and or loved ones. Um, and I guess aging is to be expected, but when should those changes cause us to worry? Well, that that's a good question. It's a tough question. I think... Um, it depends. It depends. It depends on the person. It depends on the situation. Um, if family is not around and they're just coming in at the holidays, what kind of support systems are there? Um, the first thing you think of is in case of emergency. Um, with the recent weather-related problems we've had, the power outages, um, trees down and all of that, what would happen if there was not a situation like that, would your loved one at home be able to manage? You know, would they know what to do? Do they have emergency safety equipment? Um, do they have a flashlight? Do they have, um, do they know what to do if the power is off for an extended period of time? Um, so I think that always is the prime, is an initial concern is could they manage in an emergency? But on a day-to-day -day basis, that becomes a little tougher. Um, what kinds of things do you need to look for that indicate that maybe they aren't safe at home? Um, of course, you look at the, the easiest ones to look at are the activities of daily living. Are they bathing? Are they changing their clothes? Is their hair clean? Are their nails clean? Um, do they appear to be eating? Um, are they taking their medicines properly? Um, have they had any falls? Um, those are always big flags that that are pretty easy to spot, especially if they start happening over and over again. And for family, whether you're local or whether you're distant, I think it's important to ask those things um, and not just put off the, oh, yeah, I had breakfast today, you know, or or you know, oh, I'm fine, I took a bath and all of this, um, there needs to be a double check system because especially if you're checking on the phone, um, are you going to, are they going to tell you the, tr the reality are the, and is it going to be real? Um, I yeah. had one lady say her biggest clue to her mom being on not bathing was when there was dust in the bathtub. 
So, well, <laughs> well you know, we, my in-laws lived in St. Louis and we talked to them once a week and for about 20 minutes and, you know, everything seemed fine on the phone call, kind mm-hmm. of same old, same old. And then we would visit them once a year. Christmas is when we saw them. And, you know, each year we noticed mom's being a little bit, she's a little bit more unkept, you know, uh-huh. um, and she's a little thinner. And, but I think sometimes when you're spending just a weekend and it's a holiday and everybody's pitching in cooking the meal and everybody's kind of doing that. It's you're just so flooded with the duties of the holiday. Sometimes it's easy to kind of not notice that or just push it off to the side. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, It's, 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 it's hard to admit anyway that, that they might need help or they're in a situation that is becoming unsafe. But um, with the limited amount of time that it, it really does take more detective work and just some ability to be honest with them that you want them to be safe and protected and, and prevent any major catastrophes. Right. So my aunt Um, just had a stroke and she's currently in an assisted living and kind of the opposite of my in-laws where we only saw my in-laws once a year. Um, I I went to my aunt's house almost every Sunday for lunch. And because of that consistency, I think the opposite is true. Like changes were harder to spot because Mm -hmm. I saw her so often Mm that, you know, the decline was gradual and almost kind of unnoticeable because it was every day. Um, and now I'm going through her house, kind of getting some things in order. And I'm, I'm seeing signs that I may have missed. Um, like, you know, <laughs> but you weren't looking for them. You weren't looking for them. Right. I wasn't looking for them. Um, and then one sign is the outdated food in the pantries and in the refrigerator. Um, but then again, she is a daughter of the great depression and Uh that generation holds on to everything, canned goods. It doesn't matter how, how old that canned good is. You might need it someday. Uh So it's kind Uh of hard to figure out, well, what is a red flag and what is just kind of an extension of their personality? Absolutely. And and I you do need to t- take that personality into consideration. Um, that that age group, that generation, they they were afraid of not having enough and so they always kept what they could around them. Um, you know, we, we laugh about the washing out the bread bags and using the reusing the, the Ziploc bags and you know, the margarine tubs and the foil balls and things like that. But that was how they were raised and that was what they needed. My mother had 37 Miracle Whip jars, you know, in case she was going to do some canning or something. I don't know, but yeah. (laughs) You never know, Deborah, just in case you might use those one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they, they tend to stockpile when... Um, you know, 
because they did grow up not having much and and they want to make sure that they have enough and they have enough for everybody else too. So, um, and it's not just about that. It's, it's, it's more about, I guess, not just having the cans on the shelf, but are they doing unsafe things? You know, are they eating that spoiled chicken in the fridge or is it just in there because it was forgotten about and, you know, they're not harming themselves to eat it. Um, I think for most people, if you go in their, their pantry or their refrigerator, you're going to find a ketchup bottle that might be out of date or a salad dressing that might be out of date. Um, but you know, how long have those eggs been in there and are they still trying to eat them because they don't realize they're spoiled? That's, that's a different story. So I think it's more in, in to your, to your benefit, you were seeing your aunt every week, but you weren't seeing her for a long time. And a lot of people can, they put on for a period of time. They know you're coming for every, you're coming at this time on Sunday afternoon. So they're going to make sure they're dressed and the house is straight and, and they can hold it together for an hour or two. But what happens after you leave? You don't know what's their bedtime routine. Are they just sleeping in the chair because they don't get up and go to bed? You know, are they sleeping till noon and you know, what's, what's going on the rest of the time that that's the hard part to figure out. And again, that, that does take some honesty and detective work with each other because we care about them and we don't want accidents to happen and we don't want the bad things to happen. So, you know, by checking on them, you, you're, you, what I always look at is you want to set up a safety net. Um, so that when something bad happens, they're going to get caught. So, you know, are there cameras in the home? Is there emergency, you know, the personal emergency response system available? Or do they, can they, you know, push a button and call somebody if there was an emergency? So how do you even start that conversation? Like when you're used to your parent being the parent and you're Uh used to things being the way that they are, they cook the holiday meal or they do this or they're pretty independent and self-sufficient. And when you start noticing some of these things, how do you start that conversation? I mean, are you like, well, dad, I noticed that uh, you're not paying your bills on time. What's going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you, how do you say that with still being respectful and getting kind of the, the productive conversation that you're looking for? Yeah. Well, I think, the easiest thing is to start before it's a need. Um, we have an advantage because we work in this field and we can have lots of stories we can tell and say, hey, I don't want this to happen to you. So we're, we're going to have this conversation of, you know, I want to know before you need help that I need to help you so that we can be prepared for this because I see too many situations where an emergency happens and nobody knows what's going on. So, um, you know, I want to be respectful of you, but I also recognize that sometimes people as they age need help and 
you know, it's going to be hard for both of us, but we need to do this. And so you start the easy things, you know, do you, you know, do you have your documents in place? Where are they? I might need to know that. Who's your power of attorney? Um, What are your financial situation? I don't need to know all the details, but what banks are you at? Um, Are your bills auto-drafted? Are you writing checks? So that um, should something happen and you're not able to do that, I know what to do. Um, And then get into the personal care. You know, Dad, you seem really hungry at this meal. Um, Are you... You know, are you having problems fixing your food? You know, what are you eating every day? Can I help prepare food for you, bring you extra plates? Um, what we often see with families is it, it starts very innocuously where you're calling them, you know, maybe you're calling them once a week and you realize, well, maybe something's going on. So you start calling them a couple times a week or you're calling every day on the way to work or every day on the way home to work just to check in to make sure everything's okay. Um, and then you realize, well, maybe I need to go on the weekends and help make sure groceries are there or cook some pre-cook some meals so we know they have food or set up the pillbox. Um, and then you increase to, well, I'm maybe I need to go over every night and <clears throat> sit down and make sure they they're eating supper or they're taking their medicine or be in the house while they take a bath so they don't fall getting in and out of the bathtub. Um, So if you approach it from a prevention standpoint of we want to keep these things from happening, but when they do, I want to be able to manage it. Sometimes that's easier, but it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, What did, you know, they used to say, if I powdered your bottom, you're not going to tell me what to do. And, (laughs) and it it is. If it's like, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't need your help. And I'm never leaving my house. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, please, please never make that promise that I won't. You know, <laughs> you make the promise that I'm always going to take care of you. Don't ever make that promise that I won't ever put you in a home or I won't, I won't, you know, put, put you in a nursing home. You know, it's, I will always make sure you're taken care of. Um, whether that's me doing it or whether we have to get some help doing it. Um, I will respect your wishes as long as I'm able, but we can't predict the future. And, and sometimes things get more than we can handle or something happens to you and you can't fulfill that promise um, because you're busy. Either you have health issues or you're taking care of someone else, a spouse or someone who has health issues and one can only do so much. So, so don't make that promise, but um, you let them know that you're going to be there for them and you're going to try and help them um, and recognize that many people don't know when they need help um, because of their the issues that they're having. Um, I talked to a gentleman recently and his wife had been in a nursing home and then has since passed. And so he's home all alone and he's had some health issues, um, doesn't have family close by, his children are out of state. And, you know, we talked about, well, you know, what, what is your emergency plan? Who's going to help you if something happens? Who's going to know if you, 
have a fall or something happens and you can't get out of bed, you know, you get the flu or something, who's going to come help you and make sure you're taken care of. And, and he has a fair plan. He has a a social group, a social network that's helping him. Um, Another gentleman, the neighborhood actually volunteered to walk his dog because he's having knee problems and he can't walk his dog. So sometimes you're building your community to make sure you can manage at home. But the other thing is when you consider um, maybe moving in with a, a child or another family member or looking at independent or assisted living is um, not a lot of people want to do that. Um, sometimes they have to do it. But if you can look at it as this might be good for me um, as I decline, if I need more help, if I'm not able to cook food, if I don't want to do the housekeeping and the laundry, that this is a way that I can get that help, um, but I have to pay for it. Um, So planting those seeds, um, but recognizing it, it is a tough decision. We work very, very hard to become independent and autonomous and get our own place and live in our own home and and have our own stuff and then to have to give that up. But if you talk to the people that have made those changes, many of them will tell you, might have taken a while, but they were glad that they did. They, right. they feel some security knowing that somebody is close by that can help them if they need it. They like the social aspect of it. Um, even if they're not social, at least they know if they feel like being around people, they can go sit in the lobby or they can go eat in the dining room or go to the coffee shop or go to the activities. So, um, What I like about it is the in an assisted living. And, and what I've told my aunt is she does need help with her uh, activities of daily living. And I said, you know, at least here you have your own private apartment and you can press your button and somebody will come and mm-hmm. take care of you. But I said, in your house, it's just going to be you sitting with a stranger staring at you. Right? <laughs> you know, that's, and that that's works. a good point. I mean, that works for some people, you know, but for her, I just think the assisted living is a better alternative. You know? Right, right. That's that's a very good point. That the help is there when you need it. It's close by if you need it, but it's not sitting right on top of you in case you need it. Right, right. It's not a stranger in your home. You have yeah. your own apartment that in an assisted living. That's yeah. yours. Yeah. So, um, where is the line? And and then I know we're going long as as we always do, because we could talk forever. Right. But I do want to ask. Where is the line between allowing people to make poor choices and stepping in for someone's safety's sake? Because as adults, we are allowed to make poor choices. I mean, I make yep. poor choices choices all the time with my eating. You know, I don't <laughs> always follow my doctor's orders, but it's my prerogative. And just because you're old doesn't mean you lose that. Um, so when... Where is that gray? I know it's gray, but... but well, I oh. look at it like a scale. It's a balance, okay? You're balancing someone's health and safety um, with their happiness because purportedly they're happier living in their own place with their own stuff. Um, so as that safety grows, as they're not as safe, 
you may have to compromise some of their happiness to keep them safe. So it, so it is a balance of safety versus ha- happiness or, you know, having their own way or their own wishes or whatever. But at some point, their, their health and safety is going to overcome and you're going to have to make a move. Um, There's really no hard line in the sand. It depends on the person. It depends on the situation. Um, You don't want the government to get involved, but there are laws that protect our our people who um, may not be safe. But those laws also recognize the the ability to make your own decisions. And so... um, you want to make sure that they're safe to a degree. And again, I always go back to my safety net of when something happens, we're going to be there to catch them and then they will lose that choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because something's always going to happen. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Deborah. Thank you for your time today and insight for some of those questions. And I wish I had it. more answers. <laughs> I know, I know, but I think sometimes just kind of brainstorming about it, they're like little nuggets that can help help families and sure. help start that discussion. So, and there are professionals out there that that can help you if you don't know what to do. Um, getting home health to come in and do a home assessment, um, hiring a case manager to do an assessment, having a psychological evaluation to kind of know what the cognitive functioning and cognitive thinking issues are, you know, making sure medically they're getting the medical care that they need and they're managing that. All of that goes together to try and and make it work or to give you more information to know you need to do something. Or hiring an elder care law practice like Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Absolutely. We have the elder care coordinators on staff and they can help you determine what is safe and what kinds of services are out there to help keep the situation safe. Yes. So we are a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. And join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.